The Hayes vision, Maguire, it's free. Like, we have this aerial view of everything that's happening. I know, so but it's Hayes not like, yeah, it's like not, he, he knows he's free. not passing the ball to Rio Ferdinand. I, right? I, I he knows he's in front of into this. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports Alright, delighted to be joined on the line by John Giles Evening John Evening Nathan Uh, There's a lot going on uh, over the past week We will get to Sam Allardyce's appointment as Leeds United manager And the fallout from that Liverpool-Tottenham game at the weekend I want to start though by talking to you about Uh, Jimmy Murphy, who yesterday uh, a new statue was unveiled outside Old Trafford of Jimmy Murphy. And the only other statues outside of Old Trafford are of Matt Busby, Alex Ferguson, and then the statue of Best Law and Charlton. So all hugely influential, very public figures at Manchester United. Uh, Jimmy Murphy, a very different type of figure to all of those. Someone very much behind the scenes, out of the limelight. But it's been said, like, there would be no Manchester United without Jimmy Murphy. Can you talk to us about him and your memories of him? Yeah. Uh, Jimmy was hugely influential in the Busby Babe situation when uh, he was assistant manager or coach, wherever he was, to uh, uh, Sir Matt Busby. And uh, I, I had experience with Jimmy because he was, he was in charge of the youth team which won the Youth Cup for the first five years, and he was in charge of the Central League team, which was the reserves. Hugely influential. Uh, probably the best coach I came across in my career in football in England. Jimmy knew the game. This is a time when there was no badges or anything. Jimmy just knew the game and was a hard taskmaster, Nathan. Really tough. In what you know? way? Um demanding of the players you know what they should be doing what they're not doing and knew how to tell you to put it right but having told you to put it right and you did the same thing again you'd get a blast from him you know he was a hard taskmaster Jimmy he was one of the old what we could consider the old fashioned uh, coaches now apparently he was a top player himself he played for West Brom uh, for years a Welsh international Mm. Uh, Jimmy Murphy was in the old days but he, but he knew the game in a way that he hit hit the spot what it should be you know I remember when he was when I got into the reserve team and with, with uh, Jimmy it was just after the Munich disaster and he said when you, when, when you get the ball John it sounds simple when you get the ball John the first thing you look for can you put somebody through if you can't you can't but that's what you look for you know you don't need to play it square only play it square and back when you have to, which was which was bang on, you know. I mean, you see so, some of the present football, and I see some of the midfield players. The first thing they're looking for is a square pass, and because I think a lot of the things that come in with, with uh, keeping possession, uh, passes, that all that type of thing now is, is part of the game. Nathan and Jimmy Murphy, that wasn't there, and Jimmy didn't care. But if you didn't do what you were told, or try to do what you were told. He'd give you a right blast. Mm. Oh, he was—he was a hard nut. I mean, I—I I was with him in the Central League team. I missed a penalty one day, and he gave me right telling off, right telling off about it. Uh, and it was a time when you were playing three matches at Christmas, and we played the Huddersfield. I think it was missed a penalty. Played him again next day, 
uh, and we beat them and I scored and I was coming home to Dublin and the only thing Jimmy could say to me is tell, tell your father I'm satisfied with you <laughs> There was no apology for, you know, give me a talent. The, 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 it was just a hard note, but really knew the game. Really knew the game, the basics of the game. John, when you're midfield, you turn on the ball, you do the, this thing. And uh, he was he was a huge influence because all, all the young players before me came through him. Like Duncan Edwards, mm. Eddie, Eddie Coleman, uh, Georgie Best would have come through him. Jackie Blanchfelder's gone. Bobby Charlton would have come through him. Jimmy, Jimmy, I know Bobby thought the world of him. Because he was able to tell him basic stuff, what to do on the pitch. And he was a huge influence. And I know for a fact, he, he looked after the U-team as well. They won the U-team Cup in five years in succession. Uh, this was before my time. Uh, so he could tell Matt Busby, this guy's ready. You know, because you didn't see much of uh, Matt Busby. He used to come to the matches all right, but he wasn't an influence at that, at that time, especially when I was there or before. He he would wait. He was looking after the first team, and Jimmy would say, "This guy is ready." And obviously, he was hugely influential with the players that um, he coached. Coming, they were the Busby Babes, the original yeah. Busby Babes. It's interesting. At the start, there you said, "Was he? You know, was he a coach? Was he the scout?" It sounds like he was. He was sort of everything for Matt Busby. He was his man on the ground, and whatever needed doing in terms of developing players developing tactics, developing style of football, making them ready for that first team. That was all yeah. on his shoulders. Their relationship, did you see much of that? Um, I, I never, no, I never saw them much. I don't think, I don't think they were uh, off together on something off, off the, after the match and that. Mm. Like Jimmy was, um, Jimmy was, was a, a family man uh, you know, but they didn't mix socially at all. I don't think. Like Matt, 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 Matt liked the races. <laughs> I think he was he was a gambling man. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't. Jimmy was a, a pretty steady, steady guy in that. So no, I don't think they mixed. Apart from the football, Nathan. Yeah. Not that I know. Not, I, I don't know of them ever mixing. Jimmy was going his way. Matt was going his way, and in the professional way. Uh, I know Jimmy could say this guy. I think this guy is ready, hugely influential. Like he was doing the coaching. Like after a match, he'd come to me and say, "You should have been in this, but you should have been that." Really knew his stuff. Whereas Matt didn't. Like when Matt, your man went into the first team, Matt would say, "Right, you go out and play, express yourself." He gave you a free hand in doing all those things, but you couldn't do that unless you knew how to play. And, and Jimmy did that. And, and Jimmy was, as I say, was a hard nut, uh, very, very demanding of players, very demanding of players. Also, but, uh, he took on a huge really, role as really well. Really knew his stuff, Nathan. You know. Yeah, it took on a huge role as well after the Munich air disaster. So he wasn't on the flight. He was a manager yes. of Wales at the time as well, and uh, they were playing a World Cup qualifying game. So he wasn't on the flight. But yeah, what are your memories of his role afterwards? Then, because while Matt Busby was recovering from his injuries, by all accounts, he took on the running of the club and trying to rebuild the club after such a devastating tragedy. Oh, definitely, Jimmy. Jimmy took. Took charge of the first team, and as you know, they, were, they had a lot of injuries um, from the Munich air disaster. Uh, and Jimmy got Jimmy got them to the cup final. They were beaten in the cup final that year. And as you say, he was manager of um, Wales, and I think he went to the World Cup with Wales. And like Jimmy, he wasn't a high-profile guy. Mm. You know, he wouldn't have been great with the press and that. 
Nathan. He wouldn't be a sweet talker. But when it came to football, basics, really basic stuff, this was before coaching came in. Jimmy knew the game in, in, in the positional sense that you should be. And that was my experience of him. John, you shouldn't be there. You should be over here. You should be turning on the ball. You should be. This is all basic stuff that had to do with the game. Like you hear coaches nowadays, and a lot of coaches get big uh, reputations because they can take a training session, Nathan, mm. and use all the players, which is very good as well. But when it comes to the actual game, Jimmy Murphy knew the game. He knew where you should be, what you should do, uh, when you lost the ball, getting back, all the various things that really matter to players learning, learning the stuff and, and demanding of, very demanding of them. Like Bobby Charlton, for example, would swear by Jimmy, Jimmy Murphy. Right. I'd say Duncan Edwards was. He came in Georgie Best time as well. He, it's like, he, he was a very, very influential guy from the time that he, he caught up with, uh, or went with Matt Busby as, as a coach. And as I say, I don't, I don't think they, they were social buddies mm. at all. But Jimmy was there all the time. Well, I think it's all but three of the team that started the European Cup final win in 68 had come through under Jimmy Murphy. So he had a remarkable influence on the club. It's it's fascinating to listen to you talk about his reading of the game because there is always an impression when we talk about football in the 60s that, you know, we talk about the tactical innovations of football now under Pep Guardiola, that it was a, a simpler time around football and it was all... 442 it was a more basic setup but actually was was he quite ahead of his time ahead of the game and how he looked at it and how he wanted yeah. players to approach it well what well, well, I found over the years Nathan there's an awful lot of of uh, attention to the formation three at the back two at the back or whatever it is that they're talking about like football is football Jimmy there was no nonsense with Jimmy you know they, they didn't have two at the back and three at the back in those days. It was, it was, but there were changes in those years. You know, in the old days, you had wingers. Uh, you had, you, had, uh, you know, centre-halves and two wing-halves. Mm. You didn't have that. There was changes in that. But regardless of the changes, Nathan, you know, football is getting the ball, playing with it, getting good passes, getting tackles in, regardless of the formation. Now, Jimmy wouldn't have been into a formation. He, he, the, the formation was what it was at that time. But he knew what fullbacks should do. He knew what players should do generally, and it was it was Jim was Jim, Jim was Jimmy Murphy was a coach. Now, when you see a coach now, the coach, coaches now, in my opinion, are lads who can organise twenty players, doing a bit of running here, doing a bit of running there. Jim, Jimmy wasn't into the coaching, coaching in a way that he he could get a group of players out and have a session. Jimmy went on the matches, what you should be doing in the match. And after the match, you know, he said to me, John, you should have been turning on us there. You shouldn't be. You're getting too far ahead of the ball. This is really what the game is about. Not, put, not putting on the session, Nathan, you know. Like, I know someone has to be great for putting on the session. Session for, say, uh, having, building up for attacks where there's nobody there. You just do that, 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 and that. That's an exercise. But really, it's nothing to do with the individual in the game that he played the day before. This is a group of players doing a particular exercise. Really coaching is individual stuff. Mm. Where I did something in the match, Jimmy Murphy would say to me, immediately after the match, or maybe on the Monday, John, you know that position you were in there. You should have been back here. You should have been forward. You should have done this. You should have done that. That's really the game, Nathan, where it really matters on the pitch. 
Well, I was interested to read. Somebody's a great coach. He can put on a great session, which is which is very good, but not nothing to do with the, the actual game that you played and the mistakes you made and the positions you took up. Jimmy could tell you he shouldn't have been in that position, John. He should have been up here. He should have been there. He should be looking to use the ball in a certain way. That's that was Jimmy Murphy. Yeah, I was interested to read that Bobby Charlton had said he was the greatest teacher of football I would know, and you would often talk about Bobby Charlton as being such a brilliantly natural footballer. But obviously, Jimmy Murphy had a way with Charlton of being able to give him feedback after a game that he would take on board. Definitely. Bobby, Bobby actually, in my opinion, Bobby was the best player I ever played with or against. But I never found that Bobby had a great knowledge of the game. You know, he'd go where he wanted to go. Like I played with him for a few years, and Bobby would get the ball, say, in the left half position. I'd be in the right, right half position. I'd, I'd, I'd be expecting it. But a lot of times I wouldn't get it from Bobby, mm. right? But next thing, if you were about to say, Bobby, for heaven's sake, Bobby's gone past three or four players. I'm threatening the goal from 30, 40 yards, Nathan. You know? So I don't think Bobby had, had a really good national, uh, sorry, natural sense of positional sense. Jimmy would have given him that. You know, Jimmy knew what Bobby could do, which was get on the ball, beat players right, left and centre, and have a shot from 40 yards out. But Jimmy would have definitely would have taught him the basics. He would have definitely taught Bobby things that Bobby would ne- would never have come into Bobby's head. But he knew what Bobby could do, you know. In other words, you get some people in the game could could, could have spoiled a Bobby, you know. That you should have been doing, you should have been doing that, and it could be all wrong. Jimmy could recognise what Bobby could do in a natural way, and just give him little things here, little things there, to do it. I, know, I, I, I knew Bobby for a long time. He's the best player I played for or against. But there was lots of things that I felt he shouldn't be doing. But, but because he was so good, you know, it didn't matter to Bobby. He just did it. He was natural. I, I assume... But Jim, Jimmy would have been really good with Bobby. Bobby would have been, as a kid... Now, I didn't see him as a kid. say he was a 15-year-old when he came to Ottawa. I'd say Bobby was running all over the place, Nathan. You know? And it would have, a lot of it would have been bad, you know, right. bad positional sense. Jimmy would have put him right on that without taking away what, what Bobby could actually do, which was sensational. Yeah. Well, uh, by all accounts, uh, from everything you've said about him through the years, uh, fully deserving of that statue outside Old Trafford, well, uh, which yeah, was unveiled it's, and it's about, well, I must say, Nathan, it's about time. Right. It's about time. Jimmy Morphy was hugely, hugely influential from Manchester United when he came to with Matt, with Matt Busby hugely influential and I know for a fact when he did retire the club didn't look after him as well anywhere near as well as they should have done so I think this this statue is brilliant for for the family Jimmy is gone now but it's it's about time yeah it was well deserved and it, I think it should have been done years ago uh Let's turn our attention to what's going on at the moment, John. Um, you've been pretty concerned and uh, growing more concerned by the week, I think, about Leeds' future in the Premier League with their recent performances. Uh, I assume you're delighted now to have somebody uh, that's right at the top of their game. Nobody is ahead of them in football terms. Not Pep, not Klopp, not Arteta. Sam Allardyce is the new Leeds manager for the next four games. What do you make of it? Well, I was, I was very worried about them, uh, Nathan. Uh, I thought a few weeks ago to get through it. The last few weeks, 
I'd be very, very, very worried about my old team. And the uh, appointment of Sam Allardyce has made me even more worried. Right. Why? Well, you heard his chat when he came in. He's as good as Pep and he's as good as Klopp. And he's, I mean, this is, when he was in management, he wasn't that good. You know, when he was at West Ham, the, fran- the fans hated him in West Ham. He was sacked from there. He went to Everton, the fans hated him there as well. He had a good spell at that early on, I think, at... at uh, Bolton. Bolton. But that was it. Right? He got he got the England job and then was sacked within, I think, two weeks because he gave some statement to uh, somebody that was pr- pretending to be a, a journalist. Mm. Or, or, sorry, that was pretending to be a businessman of how to do a scam. Yeah, didn't last long. <laughs> yeah. so one he, game. He, I think he lasted one match yeah. as England manager, and then, then, then was sacked in, in, in disgrace at the time. You know, I, I, never, I never fancied him as a manager when he was, he was too mouthy for my liking. And I played against him as a player. He was a very, very ordinary player playing at Bolton. Very ordinary player. Plenty, plenty, plenty of mouth uh, without producing it. So... He's coming back to Leeds now with four matches to save him a relegation. But immediately he's talking about the best managers in the game at the moment, that he's as good as them. But he must have improved a lot since he went out of management, Nathan. Because he didn't do it. He wasn't one of the best of them when he was in it. So for my old team, I'd be very, very worried. Very worried. His last role was at West Brom, where he couldn't save them from relegation but obviously he'd built a reputation from those early days at Bolton where you know he brought them to great heights brought them to European football but after that built a reputation on being able to get teams to survive in the Premier League whether it was West Ham Sunderland Crystal Palace coming in making an instant impact when you look at the shambles that Leeds have been on the pitch over the last few weeks like do they need those players a personality like Sam Allardyce who comes out chest out and says I'm as good as anybody I don't think he's ever proven he was as good as Guardiola and Klopp and, and the, 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 the lads of today. He'd never been in that class. Mm. You know, he might have said, I don't know if he saved West Ham or Everton. I mean, they had a lot of good players. But, I mean, the, 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 maybe he did. I can't remember whether he saved them or not. But, but there was, I know the fans were glad to get rid of him. I mean, if he saved them, they didn't, uh, didn't honour him with uh, keeping him on. But he, but he was always noted for for his uh, self-praise. And he's been on the game for two years, over two years now. And he didn't save West Brom. West Brom actually went down. Yeah. But now as soon as he comes back, he's up there with, with the best in the game at the moment. I, 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 I hope he saves Leeds. But I, I, I certainly wouldn't be confident about it in any way whatsoever. Okay, yeah, he's has been ridiculed I think uh, today for those comments by an awful lot of people uh, you do wonder if Jesse Marsh had come out and made comments like that what would have been said about him well he, he made enough comments of his own <laughs> but not quite as bad as that you know but when you look at the lead situation they brought an awful lot on themselves Nathan mm. I mean like say the, like Cappy Elsa would have been in any worse situation than they are now now they, this is the third manager since Bielsa went but they never backed Bielsa at all. You know, Bielsa didn't perform. They performed miracles for them. And, and they got rid of him. And the, the, the three people, well, unless the, uh, uh, this guy does a, a miracle and saves them, 
you know, the two managers that they got, they got Jesse Marsh and this other guy come in. I mean, they couldn't have been worse off if they kept the Elsa. Mm. It was a bad move. The general feeling and then, is and he'll bring Marsh it. coming in as well, coming in. I mean, when he first gave his first... Uh, uh, it's into the press. Yeah. He had a goal, Bielsa. Mm. You know, he said he knew his ones to come in, that they weren't doing too many training. I mean, Bielsa had been lauded for his, for his trainings training sessions and did a miracle job with Leeds there's no doubt about it I thought they, they, they treated him very very badly and they, they brought whatever they brought to, to Leeds now the, the group that's there is their fault there's no doubt about that when you're in big big trouble and you're waiting for you're waiting for Big Sam now to try and uh, his four matches to save them and I hope he does but I think it's going to be very very difficult for them when you look at their results in April alone, they conceded four against Arsenal, five against Crystal Palace, six against Liverpool, four again last Sunday away at Bournemouth. For Sam Allardyce to come in with four matches, like his thing is it'll go back to basics. They'll be stronger defensively. Do they have the players defensively that a manager like him can work with that can, in the space of two or three training sessions, sort it out, give them some simple instructions, keep it tight? I don't think so, Nathan. I think the, 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 the biggest problem they have, Leeds, is, is defenders. You know, when they, they had the, when they were at their best going forward, going forward, going forward, that was, that was very good because they were mostly on the attack, not defending. Mm-hmm. But what's happened in recent times, they, they haven't been going forward so well, so they have to defend more than they ever did before. And they're not capable of it. And I don't know how he's going to make them, the players that they have that I see, I don't know how he's going to make these players into good defenders straight away. I'd be very, very surprised. I just, I just don't think they are good defenders. Now, we might improve them, but I would doubt that as well. And, and while he's improving them defending, they're going to lose in certain ways what they do going forward. That's the way I, I see it for him. I think it's very. But, but uh, he's not going to say that now. I mean, he's he's coming in and saying he's going to be he's he's as good as the best that's there. But that's that's the last thing they need. You know, he needs to keep his mouth shut and get on with the job of saving or trying to save them. But I don't think they have the actual defenders, Nathan. To be honest. The other problem they have, obviously, is the fixture list. They're away to Manchester City at the weekend. Then they're at home against Newcastle before their final two games away at West Ham. And then they play Tottenham. So it's an incredibly difficult fixture list for Leeds. So I'm sure we'll be talking about Sam Allardyce quite a bit uh, over the next couple of weeks. Well, he'll be talking about himself, Nathan. There's nothing <laughs> surer than that. I, uh, I suspect you're right on that as well, John. Uh, the Liverpool-Tottenham game last weekend was a, a pretty remarkable game of football. Uh, again, Tottenham absolutely imploding in the first 15 minutes 3-0 down somehow find themselves level in injury time and then blow it completely and then the fallout with Jurgen Klopp's comments about the man, about the referee Paul Tierney firstly your thoughts on the game and how a Spurs side having been 5-0 down after 20 minutes against Newcastle a week earlier can find themselves 3-0 down after a quarter of an hour at Anfield oh, I couldn't believe it no. I knew they were bad, but I didn't think they were going to be that bad. And uh, I thought it was going to be one of those six or seven uh, nil results uh, for Spurs. They, they looked like they weren't interested at all. And then, and then it changed unbelievably, mm. to be quite honest. And I stopped watching it for a while. It was so bad. You know, when I turned it back on, and they got a couple of goals 
way. Like from Liverpool's point of view, you'd have to say, yeah, very, very good start. But when Spurs put pressure on, Liverpool were poor mm. defending. You know, like Klopp had one of those days. I mean, it's very, very hard to describe it. He's, 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 like his behaviour during the match was extraordinary, in my opinion. His, it was, it was just the same his comments afterwards, yeah. the, way the, the way the referee looked at him, he knew, all oh, this, I couldn't, no, I think he's changed for the, 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 match, the last match. He's, he's controlled himself in a big way. But from Spurs' point of view, it looked like they were going to get a right height, and, and I think Liverpool let them, let them back into it. Uh, but, from, it, 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 but it does show you, Nathan, like in my, my experience in football, when 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 somebody like Spurs look like they're out of it and they come in, like they, they, Liverpool didn't defend well, and then they get level. Actually, Spurs get level, and and this is the big one that that I think is wrong. I think when you're in this situation, uh, when when you score in the way that Spurs did, like they got carried away with themselves. Now, now it's not it's 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 very difficult not to get carried away yourself at that particular time. But the ideal situation is when, when you do score a goal, if you can, and this is what the manager, his big job is, right? Don't get carried away with it. Mm. Like they got carried away with it, and and, and that Liverpool score. I mean, you, you saw the Rick Allison when he scored. He took his jersey off and, and and threw it behind him and all that. And then all the players are chasing him, which I can understand. But I think it, you know the manager, or if you can get in the player's head, that there's no doubt that a team is, in, is very, very much uh, exposed when they score. Everybody's carried away mm. with the scoring. In other words, yeah, score, but you've got to get back. You've got to, got to defend this last Because that's how, that's how Spurs got through. Or sorry, Liverpool got through. After scoring, the heads were gone, as if the match was over and they had a great result. The next thing, bang, Liverpool do them again. It's a very difficult thing to do to get the players. I I try, I try to do it when because they always used to say you're 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 in a bad situation just after you score, you know, because everybody's carried away, you know, because they're, they're they're pulling each other, they're jumping on the ground and anything, like. And it's very difficult to get the players to say, well, especially in my day, the forwards used to I used to, I used to try and get the forwards after after we scored, and they were tick, tipping off, defend from there. Defend from there, you know. Forget about get the goal. Switched on again. Forget about the goal you scored. Defend from there. It's a very difficult thing to do, but I think this this Spurs thing was a perfect example of a team who did well to. to Galson did well to get the goal to come back from where they were, and then not defend at all, but it's only a few seconds to go. Mm. There is. It's very difficult to do, but it can be done, Nathan. You know, if you the coaches teaching them enough. Because they used to always say years ago in my time, you're at, you can be at your, your most awkward situation just at, just after you scored. Because everybody's carried away. The manager gets carried away. He's running up the line. Instead, he should be trying to tell him, now, concentrate on as soon as it kicks off. It doesn't happen. It can happen. You can get players to do it. But that's what it, it happened. They all got carried away, the sports players. I thought the match was over. Uh, the, the, because when, you, when you're jumping around and jumping on top of each other and that. You cannot be thinking about how are we going to fend as soon as this tips, uh, tips off again. Yeah. Uh, what did you make then of Klopp's behaviour at the end, running into the face of the fourth official? It was madness. 
it was madness. And then, then he, he made comments like, I knew when he looked at me, you know, like this is, this is total madness. Uh, I mean, I think he was totally different on the bench uh, the, the, when they were out yesterday. Uh, but on the day, you know, he's run, he, pulls his, he pulls his hamstring running up to have a go at the... I think it'd be better. I think it'd be better for the game generally, and somebody did say it in the papers today, if they had to watch the match from the stand. Get them away from because the touchline altogether. Because on the touchline, in my experience, you cannot hear the manager in the dugout when he's shouting at you on the pitch. In other words, you can't, you, you can't hear him. You, you, you know, they're running up and down the touchline. But actually, the best way, and, and the, 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 the dugout is the worst place in the stadium to watch a match. Yeah. It's terrible. Nathan. We, we had... Um, if you go, if we, you go back, sorry, if you, just one thing. With Matt Busby's time, and other people, Matt Busby never watched the match from the dugout. Because when you're shouting at the player, the manager, shouting, you can't hear anything. I remember Don Revy used to be on the bench and he'd be shouting at me and other people. But I, I could never hear the word he was saying. Didn't know what he was on about. And it's not a good place to watch it. You'd wonder then why some manager just doesn't make that step. Because we had um, John O'Shea and Wes Brown, the former Manchester United players on the show last night, we were talking about this in Guardiola. And, you know, Guardiola wants to micromanage his players. Like, can he actually have an influence? He said, maybe, maybe the right back, if he's standing in front of him, yes, you can get a exactly. message. But there's nothing else. So you'd, no. you'd wonder why these managers who look into every part of the game and how they can impact it how they don't realise actually that this is of no benefit to them whatsoever I, well, I, I, I totally agree with that uh, Nathan if, if you're up in the stand you can uh, the, the thing is if, if it was beneficial to the team which you being down on the bench right, you'd say fair enough but it isn't you can't hear him Nathan you don't like if you're 10 yards away from the manager on, 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 the, on the dugout even from there, with the crowd and that, you can't hear him. Mm. You don't know what you don't know what he's talking about, right? And you're better looking at it from the stand because we we we, we were talking on this on your, on your program when Arteta was dashing up and down the touchline. Do you remember? Yeah, which was bad to the third official or the fourth official. That's not beneficial. The players don't know what he's doing, and if they're shouting at them, you can't hear them. But is that is that anyway, the reason to try and intimidate the officials? I don't know. I don't know. But that doesn't work either, you know, because sometimes they're reported. Like Klopp got himself into a couple of, couple of situations like that. And it, and if you're down near the, those players, uh, near the officials, you, you would be inclined to shout at them and that. Yeah. But watching the match, it's not a good position to watch the game. And from my experience... The manager could be shouting at you, and if within ten yards with the crowd and that, you don't know what he's saying, Nathan, and he can't see it properly. So he's better in the in the dugout, not trying to watch the match. In other words, let that get that into your head. Watch the match; you can see it better from the stand. Because the only time you can tell the players, really tell the players, at half time, and after the game, and all you're doing is getting yourself worked up and getting into trouble but there's, there's no in my opinion there's no benefit whatsoever watching the match from the dugout if you can watch it from the stand John we'll go back to Matt Busby's time Matt Busby I never saw Matt Busby in the dugout never 
always watch the game you from the stand. From the stand and and right. have you say at half time. Well, you can talk to the players. Okay. So, would there be anybody on? Uh, I, I don't need. There was a technical area, but would there be anybody outside the dugout from a coaching staff trying to get messages across to you? But you can't get the messages across, Nathan. You just can't. I mean, I've had experience as a player and the manager in the dugout. And, and when you're trying to do things like that, you're not seeing the overall picture. Yeah. There's an overall picture too, and you have to accept. I have to wait half time to see these players. And was you, Busby... you see a lot of the managers, Nathan, and they're trying to shout at the players. Yeah. And I know for a fact, when there's a big crowd at these big games, you can't hear anything. Was Busby unusual in that, John? Like the other managers of that era, Bill Nicholson, uh, uh, Bill Shankly, would they have also sat in the stand? I think a lot of them did. Right. I think a lot of them did because it was, it was the best way to watch the match. You could actually see what was going on when you're in the dugout area, uh, Nathan. You can't see the far side of the pitch at all, mm. and they can't hear you. <laughs> you just they just can't hear you. So you're better just getting a good view. And, and have the patience to watch till half time because you, you see them getting in trouble now with the, with the officials because they're too close to them and, and, and managers do get head up during the match of course they do but they're better off away from the officials because you can't win with the officials you can only get into trouble they're not going to change the decision for you yeah I'm going to hazard a guess and say when more games started being televised is probably when the managers started appearing outside their dugout a bit more often yeah, I'm probably. I don't know when the time was, you know. I mean, in my time in management, I, I, I used to be on the bench. I wasn't up in the stand. Were you in the uh, referee's face? Sorry. Were you in the referee's face? No, I don't remember doing that because yeah. there was there, there was no point with you're not going to change your referee's uh, uh, mind on anything. All you do is run into trouble. That's that's what you, that's what happens, you know. But it's become it's it's become part of the game now. Of the referees, yeah. you know, having a go at the referees or the, or the officials, and you have somebody in one of the officials making sure you're inside your box and all that. And when you get a decision against you, like it's it's and, and it's it's madness anyway. I mean, you, you saw the 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 fellow getting a knock on the head. You know, the lad that went to scored, you know, scored a goal. The Wolves, sorry, Jonathan, the, yeah. the sports manager was going and said he, he should have been having a red card, and I think he should as well. You know, to be honest, but it, 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 you get head up over things like that, and, and there's no point in getting head up on the on the dugout. You can't win. You get into trouble. You can't see the, the match the way you, you, play, your own players can't hear you when you're trying to say something to, to them. Yeah. You're better watching it from the stand, and you're taking in everything. Then you're not getting carried away with the situation. You know. You're watching everything, and, and that's the way it should be. You know, keep as cool ahead as you possibly can. It's very difficult to, to do it at times, but it's the best way to do it as a manager or coach. We've got to leave it there, John. Great stuff as always. OK, Nathan. All our football on Off the Ball is brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports.